0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message.
1: I'm very excited about speaking to you because God has placed before us in this calendar year, 365 days, 360 remain, 8,625 hours. It's very exciting to think of what's ahead and Lord willing, what's ahead in this decade. Uh, I asked my class this morning and some will have children that will begin school, of course, this year, and grad, this, uh, this decade and graduate from kindergarten, move into elementary. Some will finish their schooling. Some have finished college, some are get married, uh, children. I don't know all that. Uh, all of us will undoubtedly attend funerals, unfortunately, and say goodbye to loved ones. I don't know what, I, what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And I want, I want this year, this is my last year to live or my last decade, I want it to count for God. I've begged God to keep me right and I, I have more trouble in this church with Jack Treiber than anybody. I want to be so right with God. I want to be, if I'm right with God, I'll be right with God's people. And for today, if you're not right with God's people, you're not right with God. It just works that way. We get things right this way, things will always reveal themselves right this way. And today, I want to call your attention to chapter 16, and I want you to see with me in verse number nine, a verse you read. There's so many powerful verses there, but will you read verse nine with me together? Ready, begin. For a great door and effectful is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. The apostle Paul uh, speaks so often about doors. He speaks in Acts 14 about an open door to Troas and how that uh, he wants to go preach the word of God there. In 2 Corinthians chapter two, Verse number 12, he mentions the open door to the Gentiles. In Colossians chapter four, verse number three, he said there's an open door to preach God's word. God always opens up doors. Doors are opportunities. You and I are gonna be faced with opportunities every day of our life. We'll miss them or we'll seize them. I wanna talk to you about that subject of opportunities. I'm coming to you on behalf of the opportunities. You know, I love people, I do, I, I love God's people. But I want you to know that I don't have any desire to pamper those that are supposed to be mature in the Lord. I don't have time. I'll spend time with baby Christians and pamper them But ye that are spiritual, you that are older in the Lord, Hebrews chapter 6, it's time the Bible says to leave the ABCs, these beggarly elements, and grow and go on to maturity or perfection. Sometimes we've been saved five years and we expect to be bottle fed. Sometimes we're 10 years and we know better. And we should not be acting so spiritually immature. And I want to spend whatever days of life that God has me left to go ahead and, and work with the infants and work with those that are just getting saved and growing in grace. But I have no desire to have people drain from me that are not walking with God you should be. There's a world out here. Seven and a half billion people that are lost and going to hell. My wife was sharing with me and she is a one, one of the most... Uh, willing people to help people because I'm not going to spend this day, decade of my life uh, w- w- with whiners and with people that are high maintenance and that will drain from you. I want to give my life to people that want the things of God. And I hope that's all of our desire. I'm gonna look for opportunities. I want this decade to be the greatest decade of your life and my life. I want it to be chapter uh, number 16, verse uh, uh, verse number 13. Here's what I want for us. Watch ye, watch ye, be alert. Stand fast in the faith. Don't waver in the faith. Then he says, quit you, number three, quit you like men. In other words, act like a man act like a mature lady, act like a man, and be strong, four things there. That's where I wanna spend much of my attention in this next year, in these next 10 years, by the grace of God, helping people that wanna fulfill that verse. And so 2020 is a year to look for opportunities. I wanna look for opportunities, I'm gonna challenge you, look for opportunities in your marriage. Look for opportunities with your children. Look for opportunities with your family. Look for opportunities at work. Look for opportunities at your church. Look for opportunities with the Word of God, the Bible. Look for opportunities with our prayer life. Look for opportunities to win the loss to Jesus Christ. Those are good things to say amen on right there in 2020. And so I want to speak to you today on opportunities. And first I want us to see, we must see opportunities. Look all around you, find someone in need. There ought to be an opportunity before us at all times. You're gonna have to see them. Jesus, when he, Jesus, when he, think of this, Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. So many of you were out door knocking yesterday, and I know you've come back in. I've heard so many reports of people saying it was just so merry moving, seeing the needs of people that are out on these streets and the reception of so many people that they were kind. Oh, I know you have some that say, get off my porch, get out. Once in a while that happens. But don't you see the great opportunity? Thank you, Brother Poussin, for seeing Brother Rick Martin had, with his colleges, started 600 churches. And several years ago, we got the vision to start the next 400 and came to the church family, and, and you saw it. And we sent our media team, and Brother, uh, brother Poussin over there and, 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 and took video and said, here's what we can do. And here's where we can go out in the, what we call the jungle. The villages are in the back area. And we can start a church for very little money. And we can pay a pastor's salary. And the one year time, he'll be self-supporting and he can keep it going. And all but one has stayed in their church. He passed away. Young men that graduate from Bible college and go out and sometimes you have to cut through the thicket to get to with the machete to get where you're going and you'll find now a building and you'll find 50 people or 75 people or 100 people, 375 of those all over that land. I thank God that we had a man in our missions department that saw something. I thank God we had a church that saw my eye affected my heart. You saw something on the video and went and started churches and thousands and tens of thousands have been saved because of this church. Amen. Jesus looked and he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. My Bible says, "See say not, John chapter four, say not there are four months and then cometh harvest. I say, look on the fields, look on the fields. They are white already to harvest. In the great North Valley Baptist Church, oh, thank God for Disneyland. Thank God for not very farm. Thank God for the ocean, the mountains, and all those things. And it's not wrong if we go enjoy those things from time to time. But could we get a vision that as Mr. Strove just sang, souls are dying. People are crying. What well, we number one killer of teenagers now is suicide. Something's wrong. We're missing it. The only hope teenagers have is not more education how to sin with their lives. More liberty, how to have immorality and do it safe. More, more desire to have drugs and drink and, and uh, ecstasy and all these different things that they can sample with. No, the need for every teenager in America and in our city is Jesus Christ. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. In him is life and without him there's no life at all. The Bible says you are your father, the devil, who was a murderer from the beginning. He is Mr. Death. Oh, how we ought to look as Jesus did. and He said these these, these fields are white unto harvest. I ask you to look for opportunities. A young salesman was making his rounds, and he came across so many years ago a recipe, and he saw that recipe, and he said, I'd like to buy that. It was so long ago that the number $300 was astronomical. But he said, I'd like to buy this recipe for $300. And he purchased it. The person that invented it said, this is great. I got $300 more than a year's income. I've got this money. And he said, I believe I'll call the recipe ice cream. And he got the recipe for $300 and he began to produce something called ice cream. He saw an opportunity. Would you and would I, could we start looking everywhere? Where's an opportunity to hold a door for someone? Where's an opportunity to let someone go ahead of me? Where's an opportunity to let someone get in that lane and not speed up but slow down and let them get on in? Where's an opportunity to help a poor person? Where's an opportunity to help an invalid? Where's an opportunity to go to rest homes and nursing homes and senior saints and go there and help people that are right, many of them on the verge of passing away? They're everywhere. Whether it be a teenager in a public school or whether it be, whether it be a senior senior citizen in a nursing home facility whether it be a struggling lady or a struggling man or a drug addict or whether it be a drunk or whether it be someone in the pathway of life that God could raise you up and be a blessing in the life of that person. The Bible says in verse number nine that I, I want you to see there's a great door, effectual, open unto me. When we look for opportunities, Margaret Rudman was a lady that took her little 15-year-old daughter, and she took her to the doctor, and she was, I don't know what's wrong with my little girl, but she's so sick. And as they pursued, the doctor determined that she was eating bread that was not um, able to be digested properly with her, and he says, ma'am, You're going to have to get some type of recipe that's different. You're going to have to do something to make a different kind of bread because it's causing her to be very sick. And she decided I was going to make something that my daughter could eat. By the way, it cured the girl, and she started something called Pepperidge Farms for a 15-year-old girl. So multi-billion dollar million dollar uh, 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 job and corporation now. I think we ought to take just time to drive the streets of our city and look at the needs of people. I was in the, uh, where I go to prayer, I like to pray at one of the places I like to pray is in the uh, cemetery. And I was in the cemetery praying. I was able to talk to a lady there that was weeping. I could tell there was a Great need. And she said, Well, I know you. I know who you are. And I began to talk to her about her soul's need and heart's need. And the person that she was there, they had just buried, was a person that knew Jesus Christ as Savior. I, I want to say that I sought my best that day in a cemetery to help someone who was bereaved. You've done the same. They're everywhere. That lady at work, that man at work, and be careful, I'm not suggesting at all that men should be talking to a lot of ladies and ladies a lot of men, and nowadays all, you gotta be careful of all that. But I would say this. Sir, you see a man at work in distress, say, George, let me help you. After work, can I talk to you for a few minutes today? Let me be a help to you. I know the Lord and George, I don't know all that's going on. I don't need to know what's going on in your life. But if I can help you, I want to help you with God. God wants to help you, George. It's company time. I can't talk to you now. We must work. But let me see you at lunch hour. Let me see you at the break. Let me see what I can do. You might go to a break room and there's ladies. a lady that's sitting there and she's just despondent. And on your own time, you can talk to her and say, let me tell you, always have some scripture in your heart. Always have a Bible ready somewhere. I don't know if we have lockers or desks or what we have, but if you can get a Bible and know some passages I use in the hospital Psalm 86, you ought to read Psalm 86. And you ought to say, here's a person that needs Psalm 86. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, and hear me. I am poor and needy. I'm wondering if you're talking to a lady a lady that is poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou, my God, save thy servant that trusteth into thee. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my voice. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy and truth. In the day of my trouble, you might be speaking to someone who's in the midst of trouble. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou will answer me. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord. And I wanna say, you might ladies speak and say, I don't know, but maybe you've turned to uh, to antidepressants or to drugs or maybe whatever, but there's nothing like God. For thou, Lord, art good, ready to forgive, plenty and mercy unto all them that call upon me. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplication. Oh, God wants to hear that person, show me a token for good, and that person may need some good that day, that they which hate me may see it, and be ashamed because thou, Lord, has helped me and comforted me. There's a world out here, can't you see the need? Oh, sometimes they respond with anger, and sometimes they respond with, get off my porch, and sometimes they respond, I don't wanna talk about it. Oh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and he was, can't even remember the story completely, so I won't go into it, but he was telling me how that, that, this guy at work was always witnessing to everybody and getting the gospel. And I used to think he was a fool, and then I got saved. And it changed my life. I was so very grateful for all the seed that he had put and planted in my own life. Can't you see the door? Teenagers can't just see it. Can't you see that you're in a public school or a Christian school, a charter school, a home school, whatever it might be? Can't you see that there's opportunities before you to help people the pathway of life? Can't you see through teen soul we can knock on doors and visit people, and this year, all 40,000 doors, 130,000 people in our city from this church is gonna receive a Bible, an own Bible to have a Bible that points out the plan of the salvation. Can't you be part of that, teenagers? Can't you be part of that, senior saints? Can't we be part of looking and looking and observing all the time? I find that there's a great door open, but you have to see it. Not only do you have to see it, you have to seize it. Do you see that your wife has some need, sir? Seize that need, seize that opportunity. Do you see that your husband has some needs? See it, ladies, see it. And then seize it. Do you see your little daughter, your little son, or your teenage son or daughter has some needs? It's probably not the time to preach at them. It's probably the time to listen. God's gave us two ears and one tongue. Listen more than you lecture. Son, talk to me and listen to the entire sentence, and listen to the entire paragraph, and listen to the entire conversation, and don't be interrupting. Well, here's how you get, here, you're not right with God. That's not helping at all. Would you take time to listen to your wife? Would you take time to listen to your husband? Would you take time to listen to your parents? Would you take time to listen to your ancient parents? You know, aging. I can recall those days. You know, with my parents before they passed away. Those are hard days as a son going to your parents and say you cannot handle your finances anymore. You can't drive anymore. We have to move you from this place to a care facility that will care for you. And it broke my heart. They were so really easy to work with, but it broke my heart what was happening before our very eyes. I recall when my dad came and, and, and he came and he said, son, I just drove for the last day. I, I, I said, dad, we'll keep driving. I don't think it's time, but when it, you become a hazard, will you give me the license or you give it up? And it was on an Easter Sunday morning and he came and he said, it's done, son. I can't drive anymore. Would you please seize the opportunity to be careful and kind to your parents? I don't know where we're getting this saying, be mean to your parents' business. Ah, they're in their 80s, they're in their 90s, they're 95, they're old. They're people. They're people going through huge transition in life. They're people that need a son or a daughter, that they they were up with you at night and they, They they cared for you and they fed you and they changed you. They they gave you a good life. They did their best they could. And now it's an opportunity to be good to them. Seize that opportunity. There are scores of us in this room would love to talk to a mother one last time. There are scores of us in this room would like to talk to a father one last time. And he said, well, I haven't talked to my dad in, in three months. Shame on you. 31 years, we were over at the other property. We still own it, and it's filled this hour. There's a rest home right next to it. I can recall Brother Tom always saying, there's plenty of parking over there. They said we can park there. You've never seen a traffic jam going to a nursing home. I can think of a man that went to that nursing home and his family, his sister, his mother, his dad lived right in this valley, lived not far away and for decades they never one time came to see him. Seize these opportunities. See, you see something on the ground in this auditorium, a psalm book on the ground, a, a tithing envelope on there, seize the opportunity, do something. You see someone doesn't have a Bible, seize the moment, help them. You see someone's weeping, seize that opportunity. Yesterday, I was just so overwhelmed in our Spanish auditorium, how it was packed with hundreds of people and other groups came in thereafter and knocking on doors all over this region and all over this area. I began to just contemplate, and this is not much, but just think if we'd get 300, 400 people to pass out 10, 10 tracks a day, a a, a week, 10. Now it's not that difficult to do 50 or 100, but just 10 in a week. 300 people, you know we'd have about 400,000 people contacted every year, and, we should, and we'll and we do a lot more than that. You know that's true. I'm talking about 300 new additional workers just taking gospel tracts, talking to the people at the door. I won't believe, really be surprised if some of you are visiting today because someone came by yesterday. We are looking for opportunities. Look for opportunities in housekeeping in this church. Look for opportunities to drive a bus in this church. Look for opportunities uh, to serve in the bus ministry. I wrote myself a note the other day for Sunday morning about this thought of opportunities. I said, put in here to myself, drive a bus. One of the men in our church that I highly respect and love, he, uh, he had texted me on my phone, but time got away from me and I Did not get to see the text, and I was busy with other things. And I wrote that down, and within 30 seconds, I got thinking, Oh, he texted me. I think it was hours before that. I said, He texted me. I better go look and see what he said. And 30 seconds after I wrote down, Drive a bus, I looked at his text, and I said, It's time for me to drive a bus this year. That's seen an opportunity. And sees it, and he texts me back. I've got to get working on my license now. That's how you seize what you see. It's going to take a price. It's going to take some time, but I get a license and try to bring boys and girls and men and women to Jesus Christ on the Sunday school bus. The Sunday school bus is amazing. We brought one point, I think, one point four million people to church on those buses in these forty-four years. Most are in this other buildings now this hour, the other property. But I saw a youth pastor this morning said, about every five or six weeks, I wanna bring the bus teenagers over here. They sit up here and fill this area. Let me tell you something, never have to call them down. There's a culture, we can bring in the elementary, the primary, the junior age, the junior high, the high school, why? Because we have four men that have been superintendents for 40 years in our church, 40 plus years. And though the different crowd keeps coming, the culture is that you come to Sunday school, you come to Sunday morning, you come to the junior church, the primary church, the beginner church, the uh, the high school church, you come and you listen. I've never had a call, we bring them over here, I've never had a call down one bus kid. Why? They know you come to church, you sing and you listen. That's because some people saw a need. Had they seized the need? Our brother Paul Skurdy and brother Bill Manley, uh, brother Jim Carrey, I've uh, been over there all those years. I've never been able to preach them, but they saw it and they seized it and they've been teaching Jesus loves me and I will make your fishers of men for all these decades. Amen. You see a need. You seize a need. I think of the need we have in this church right now is a huge need of prayer warriors. Now I was so thrilled, I know on the other property on Saturday night, we have a good crowd of men that pray over there in the Spanish ministry. We had a good crowd downstairs in this auditorium last night. Oh, just to hear them pray. That Saturday night men's prayer meeting helps me so much. And hearing those men pray you know, some, and I know if you live distances away, I'm not asking you to drive in on Saturday night at eight o'clock. But I wonder if some that live close by, once a month, every other week, every week, whatever it might, you might go say, I'll seize that. That's what I can do in this church. I can pray. You say, well, I'm not good at praying. Oh, but don't you love hearing a new Christian? They don't pray with all the glamour. Now, Lord, we got these problems here. we got these needs. We need more of this, this, here. It's just wonderful to hear. I want to say today we see a need. We seize a need. I think I'll stop. We'll stand for that opportunity. You, you, you see an opportunity. See it. See it. You seize it. But then you stand. Look what he says here. He said... I will, uh, a, a great door and affection is open to me, and there are many adversaries. If you're going to do something and take a, a, an opportunity, there's always adversaries. There's always problems. When I think I'll just give up. You know, that opportunity is kind of tough. <laughs> there's always adversaries to opportunities. There's always obstacles to Opportunities. A a mother was told of her boy, he's just dumb. He's about as dumb as you can get. He's dumb. He's not qualified for school. He didn't do very well in his schooling. His parents were embarrassed with him. Teachers said that he's ignorant. He went and took the college entrance exam and failed it. There were adversaries, his teachers, his parents, his personality, his appearance. Oh, the name Albert Einstein was his name. And people said he was, they used the word stupid, too stupid to learn, but it had a brilliant IQ. They're gonna be adversaries. A young man was so convicted Back in the late mid 1600s and 1700s, he was so bothered that that he believed there should be freedom of speech and freedom for religion. His dad became so upset with him, he said, son, you are leaving our house if you continue this. He goes, dad, I, I just believe there needs to be freedom of speech and there needs to be freedom of religion. He said, son, you're a fool. You leave our house and don't come back. And he was forced out of his dad's house because of his views and they came and arrested him and put him in jail because they said, you're a fool This freedom of religion, freedom of speech, unheard of. We don't want that. Uh, by the way, William Penn is his name. We have a state called Pennsylvania that was named after him, he was the first governor because he believed that people have the right to believe who they want to believe in and preach and have freedom of speech and thank God for the influence he had on this country. There are many adversaries. There'll be many adversaries as we try to close out this project in the Philippines. There'll be many adversaries who try to get moving this, this project in Mexico. There'll be many adversaries this year just keeping the buses running. There'll be many adversaries even within the church or without the church. There are always adversaries, but you don't stop. You keep on keeping on. You keep on moving. Obstacles come. You know the uh, man that was the great inventor, Edison, and one of his workers came to him and said, Sir, this is not working We have failed a thousand times. We have failed a thousand times. Edison said, No, we've discovered a thousand ways it won't work. We've succeeded a thousand times. And look what he gave us. Alexander Graham Bell was the man that his mother was deaf, his wife was deaf. But because of it, he gave us the telephone and telegraph. They're adversaries. He actually invited a piece where his mother could hear something as a result of who he was, Alexander Graham Bell. Paul says, I'm so excited. There's an open door. It's an effective door. It's a powerful door. It's an opportunity. There's so many good doors opened up to me. And with these doors, I see them. And I'm going to seize them. But there's going to come some obstacles, some adversaries, and I want to overcome them. I wonder this year what obstacles you'll have to face as you look at these opportunities. It's been said that somebody, something bigger. Uh, we are. We're always. Seems like we're looking for something bigger and better. Why don't you bloom right where you're planted? Stop looking everywhere else. Well, Bigger and better if I go to this other job or go to this other area or go to this other church or go to this other ministry or go to this other mate or go to this other uh, no, no. stop seeing bigger and better everything else. Opportunities, it's been said, will find us if we're willing and if we're worthy. And so the pastor said last Wednesday night, we need some bus drivers. And someone said, I'm willing. And I'll tell you what, that person's worthy. God's going to use him in a powerful, powerful way. God is placing opportunities before you. Young people, you don't need to be thinking about pastoring the church yet. You need to look at the opportunity how you can help your mother or your father. How you can obey in school. How you can do what you're supposed to do. How you can help a widow. How you can rake a lawn. How you can sweep the neighbor's sidewalk. How can you can be kind to your brother, your sister. That's an opportunity. And you seize that opportunity. And because you have seized it and you saw it, there's going to be some obstacles with your opportunities, adversaries. But you keep working at it. The greatest opportunity that's faced you today is what are you going to do with Christ? Would you take this first Sunday of the year and say, I'm lost. I'm on my way to hell, but I need a Savior. I'll get saved today. See that opportunity. Seize that opportunity. And when you get saved, it's not just going to be a bed of roses. There'll be obstacles, but you'll have your name written in the book of